Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin. Amma ba'd. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. All praises belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. We praise him and we seek his assistance and guidance. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evil of ourselves and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomsoever Allah misguides, then none can guide. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, our beloved master and teacher, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. My dearest brothers and elders in Islam, I greet you with the greetings of peace. Salamullahi alaykum wa rahmatuhu wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon you all. Uh, first things first, we thank um, those responsible for this evening being a reality and us coming together, inshallah, to learn from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a gathering that has uh, come together solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and make this a gathering that hears a good word and follows it and make this a gathering inshallah that is forgiven upon its departure. Uh, thereafter we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it is with his blessings and mercy that goodness comes into fruition and into completion and inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless our time together uh, with uh, it coming into completion bi-dhnillahi ta'ala uh, my dearest brothers and elders in Islam uh, there was an Andalusian poet by the name of Abu al-Baqa Randi or he was known by Abu al-Baqa Randi and he lived during Muslim Spain and was tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to witness uh, Muslim Spain being lost to the non-Muslims pieces of Spain began becoming dismantled and slowly but surely falling into the hands of the non-Muslims. He saw Islam beginning to recede in a country that Islam was in total control of. And no doubt he was stressed by the situation. And he uttered uh, lines of poetry that have been recorded and transferred from century to century to us today. From these lines of poetry uh, are his famous lines لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ إِذَا مَا تَمَّ نُقْصَانُ فَلَا يُغَرَّ بِطِيبِ الْعِيشِ إِنْسَانُ هِيَ الْأُمُورُ كَمَا شَاهَدْتَهَا دُوَلٌ مَنْ سَرَّهُ زَمَنُ سَاءَتْهُ أَزْمَانُ وَهَذِهِ الدَّارُ لَا تُبْقِي عَلَى أَحَدٍ عَلَى أَحَدٍ وَلَا يَدُومُ عَلَى حَالٍ لَهَا شَانُ أَيْنَ الْمُلُوكُ and it's uh, a long piece of poetry. Uh, but the crux of what he says at the beginning, he says, Everything, it reaches a peak, and after it reaches a peak, it will begin to decrease. Everything reaches a point of extreme strength, and after that, it begins to decrease in its strength, in its speed, in its authority. And then he says, فَلَا Thus mankind should never ever be deceived by an easy, fruitful, good life. <laughs> what I'm telling you is something that not only human beings have witnessed, but massive, mighty countries have witnessed. <laughs> there were countries that lived uh, in... Uh, happiness and a strong uh, financial standing with a strong material well-being for a long period of time. And after that, they lived in recessions and depressions for longer periods. So this is the reality that he describes about the life of this world. He goes on to say, and this world, this home, this temporary home that we live in, he says this, this home it does not cry for anyone. And it's not constant in its application. 
It's dynamic in its application. It throws at you days that are for you and days that are against you. It throws at you days that you consider happy days and days that you consider difficult, sad days. This is the reality of this home and abode that we are in. And it cries for nobody. This is the system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created it upon and this is its reality. And with this opening, my dearest brothers and elders in Islam, I bring uh, to you the topic for this evening, how to deal with stress and Islamic perspective. Here we see, brothers and elders in Islam, that the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the life of this world is that it will be dynamic. Nothing will last forever. If you're happy, you have to know that a time will come when this happiness will go away. And if you're sad, you have to know that a time will come when the sadness will go away. It won't last forever. It is a matter of physics. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the life of this world. It's nobody's fault. It is what it is. This is a matter of physics. No one can change it. No one can control it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed that the life of the world will be this way. Nothing will last. The only place where things last is in the hereafter. And if you're in paradise, then you will experience everlasting bliss. And if you're in the hellfire, you will experience everlasting doom and gloom. Another reality from the realities of the life of this world, aside of this first reality, is that we as human beings find paradise on earth in being happy and stressless and free of stress. It is the paradise of the life of this world. Again, this is a matter of physics. By design, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this world and this system. It is a reality that we find Jannah on earth in having that peace of mind and having that serene heart. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, once he addressed the Sahaba and he said, ذَاكَ طَعْمَ iman." He goes, that is the sweetness of Iman. The sweetness of the life of this world is the sweetness of faith. And the sweetness of your faith is in, the Sahaba asked, what is, where is the sweetness of our faith? He said, مَنْ رَضِيَ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ He says, the sweetness of faith is in being pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as your Lord. And being pleased with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam as your Messenger, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Messenger to you and your Messenger and your guide towards success. And being pleased in Islam as your religion. And these are not just words, brothers and elders in Islam. These are realities. Being pleased is not just a slogan, right? Today sometimes we have slogans void of practical realities. The Prophet wasallam is saying, Man radiya, the one who is truly pleased. But you can only truly be pleased if you truly submit to the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that which, which Islam offers as a whole. Not in being picky and choosy with what you accept and what you choose not to accept. Submission involves and entails total Submission to totally submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the moment that you're in, to be pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every moment that you're in. Whoever is blessed with this by Allah, then they will live a peace of Jannah on earth, for they will experience happiness, stress free, uh, a stress free, uh, free life, and that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said is Jannah on earth. Further evidence to this to the fact that happiness is a piece of Jannah on earth, is the fact that when we look into the Qur'an, we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us towards worshipping Him and being in His obedience and staying away from that which He dislikes by teaching us of a prize that is stressless. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entices us by telling us that if you do this, you will be stressless. You will have a stress-free life or a stress-free future. 
Like for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the people of istiqamah. Chasing istiqamah is not easy. But we as human beings are enticed by the reward, by the package. Right? The reward for the effort. If it's worthy, then we are enticed towards the effort. Allah created us. He knows us. So He subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He tells us to do something difficult, He places a reward that will entice us to pursue that difficult task irrespective of its difficulty. So istiqamah is a hard thing to achieve. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Allah says, indeed those who say our Lord is Allah, then they walk the talk, they act like their Lord is Allah, they speak like their Lord is Allah, they behave like their Lord is Allah. It's a difficult thing to do. Allah says, the reward is, لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ they will not be, they'll never ever be stressed. They will never ever fear. A fear that brings stress. hum yahzanun, And they'll never ever be sad. Why is Allah listing this as a price? He's listing it as a price because mankind finds Jannah on earth in being stressless. It means a lot to us to have a stress-free life. Allah knows this will push us and encourage us to chase istiqamah. Also, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes Jannah, He doesn't just describe Jannah as a place of happiness, but He describes Jannah as a place of increasing happiness. Right? Because sometimes, just being happy and not getting happier can bring stress to your life. So Allah subhanahu wa it happens. Right? People are of different tiers in terms of how uh, the, the amenities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. Some people are happy. They're not in a problem. But the fact that they can't lift themselves to newer heights in terms of whatever they wish to achieve, this brings stress to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes Jannah as not a place of just a place of happiness. Allah says increasing happiness. Everything in it increases in beauty. Everything in it increases in amazement. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the fruits of Jannah, He says they will be there in eating from the fruits of Jannah. And thereafter they will eat a fruit which will resemble the last fruit that they ate. But no, it's a different fruit. It's even more sweeter in taste, right? And even more nourishing in ability. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described Jannah to us. A place where there's no stress in any way or any form. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we heard in the couplets of poetry that were recited and the translation that uh, pursued thereafter, he reveals to us the Qur'an. And when He reveals to us the Qur'an, in the earliest of revelation, the Meccan revelation, when people were fighting the revelation, they were fighting, uh, accepting the message, accepting it as something sent by Allah, Allah reveals, Taha ma anzalna Qur'an Allah says, Taha, we didn't send this Qur'an down to give you stress. We didn't send this Qur'an down to bring sadness to you. To bring a, a, a fear that brings about stress in your life. Allah uh, manifestly clarifies this at the earliest point of the revelation of the Quran. So those receiving it would become enticed towards accepting it because a human being, whether they believe or they disbelieve, they all understand the currency of having a stress free life. Everyone understands this as something we need. Whether they believe in Allah or they don't believe in Allah, they understand the language of living without stress. So Allah teaches them that this Qur'an didn't come to bring you stress. Thus, it would entice them to give the Qur'an a chance. And in some narrations, this ayah was the means of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an accepting Islam. My dearest brothers and elders in Islam, in retrospect to what we call a piece of Jannah, on earth we have earth's worst nightmare. And that is stress, and that is depression, and that is sadness. And that is why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to warn us against bad deeds, He tells us about the, uh, the repercussions of bad deeds in a very stressful way. Anyone who reads the Qur'an and reads the ayat of punishment and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished nations, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish them, uh, those who, who disbelieve and disobey Allah on the day of Qiyamah, you find the message 
very stressful. And even the words used, the nature of address, they're very strong and powerful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals these messages in a stressful way, meaning using words that bring stress to the ear of the listener. And this is manifestly clear to anyone who has some ability with the Arabic language and goes through some of the Makkan surahs that depict uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment over previous nations and depict the punishment in the hereafter. Not only does Allah give a serious message, but even the manner of address is very serious and very stressful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from stress. Ameen. Ali radiallahu anhu was asked, which is the mightiest and strongest of the soldiers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on earth? Which is the mightiest and strongest of Allah's soldiers? Because Allah has many soldiers as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the Quran. He has many soldiers. So which is the mightiest of them? Are they mountains? He was asked. So Ali radiallahu an, he says, mountains can be broken by metals. So metals have to be the stronger soldier. However, we have fire. And fire melts metal. So fire must be the stronger soldier. However, we have water. And water puts out fire. So water must be the stronger soldier of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then we have clouds. And clouds carry the water. So the clouds must be the mightiest soldier of Allah. But then we have winds. And winds are responsible for pushing and carrying the clouds from place to place. So the winds must be the mightiest or strongest soldier of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, we have human beings. And human beings can successfully stand in the face of wind. So the human being must be the mightiest soldier of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then we have sleep. And sleep overcomes a human being. It overtakes a human being. So sleep must be the mightiest soldier of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we have grief and stress. And grief and stress stops a human being from sleeping. So grief and stress must be the mightiest soldier of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives stress power over whomever he wishes from his servants. This is a mighty uh, discussion and reflection from Ali radiallahu anhu, the fourth caliph of Islam. Anxiousness, my dear brothers and elders in Islam, and Ali radiallahu anhu was in his place in what he said, and this teaches us how attached they were to the Qur'an. For anxiousness is part of the makeup of a human being. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us as anxious human beings. The unknown disturbs us. And other circumstances that we don't have control over disturbs us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, Indeed, mankind has been created in an anxious state. Mankind has been created in an anxious state. When evil touches him, when evil touches him, he lacks patience. And when good touches him, he is withholding of it. But Allah says, this is only the case for the human beings that are not upon their prayers. For those who are upon their prayers, they are saved from anxiousness. And in this introduction, if you listen attentively, you'll be extracting solutions in terms of how to deal with stress from an Islamic perspective. Stress occurs in the lives of human beings for many reasons. The, the main, or we can summarize them in, 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 in two uh, particular reasons. Number one, due to physical realities, such as naturally having an anxious demeanor. Some people are created like this, right? Allah creates people differently. They have different uh, characteristics. Some people are introverts. Some people are extroverts. Some people are judgment. Uh, they have a judgmental approach. Uh, to certain circumstances. Some people have a sensitive approach uh, to different circumstances. And now there's a science that actually 
uh, tests your, uh, your human characteristics. There's many different uh, theoretical programs and tests that you can even do uh, online uh, that uh, throws out at you different questions and based on how you answer these questions, it produces for you an analysis of your character makeup. Some people have anxious demeanors, right? It is, it, it is a physical reality of who they are. They become stressed very easily. And then we have circumstantial realities that cause stress. It could be due to money. It could be due to children. It could be due to marriage or one's uh, environment. Maybe you have a stressful work environment. It could be due to the economical situation that a, a person uh, resides in. It could be due to the death of a loved one or a prolonged sickness. These are circumstances that interact with human beings in different ways and different forms. The Prophet ﷺ, he also became stressed, as Allah tells us in the Qur'an, circumstantial stress that is. Because when he gave this da'wah to the Quraysh, and the Quraysh refused to accept it, it would, have, it, would, it, it, would, it would produce a great weight on him, a great sadness uh, in him. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَعَلَّكَ بَاخِعٌ نَفْسَكَ عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ إِلَّمْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَسَفًا Right? That are you going to allow yourself to become severely ill and harmed or even cause death to come to you because of the approach of these disbelievers towards the message that you are sharing with them. And then Allah says in another part of the Quran, فَلَا تَذْهَبْ نَفْسُكَ عَلَيْهِمْ حَسَرَاتٍ Don't cause yourself to die out of extreme sadness for the situation with your people. So he sallallahu alayhi wa was a mercy to all of mankind. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him with uh, the, the roadmap towards Jannah and success. And he, he was emotionally attached right, to his cause. He wanted to take all of mankind to Jannah. He didn't want to see anyone from his ummah suffer. So when they uh, proactively fought his message, this had a great uh, burden on it, it created a great burden on him. And he experienced great sadness because of this. And definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew what his slave was going through and what stress can do to a human being. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him. And yes, as some people say, that stress is the silent uh, cancer. It, is a, a, it, it, it harms your body in a severe way. It causes organs to shut down. It causes organs to shut down. And we as human beings are made up of three realities that cannot be separated as the scholars of Islam have deduced from the Quran and the Sunnah. We have our physical reality, we have our intellectual reality, and we have our emotional reality. And you can't separate these realities. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them connected. If one reality gets affected, the other two get affected as well. When somebody gets angry, that is an emotional reality. But you find them going red. That is a physical result of their being angry. So the emotional anger has had a physical change on them, right? Uh, for example, the Prophet ﷺ said when someone gets angry, they should drink water, right? So drinking water produces a physical benefit, but that physical benefit is going to have a positive effect on your emotional state of mind, right? Or your, your emotional state of being, your emotional disposition will benefit from a physical treatment that you're doing to your body. So this is another piece of evidence that you can't separate these three realities. And that is why the scholars of Islam, or the Prophet ﷺ himself taught us that لا القاضي وهو غضبان, The judge should not rule when he is angry. Even though the ruling has an intellectual application, but if he's angry, if his emotional uh, disposition is not centered, it's going to affect the way he rules. And then, then through analogy, the scholars added to this and said, and he should not rule when he is hungry, and he should not rule when he is desperate for the lavatory. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honor you all. Ameen. And us all. Ameen. So they added to this, that if he's desperate for the lavatory or he's hungry, this, is a, this has a physical impact on him, which by default will have an impact on his intellectual reality. So these are realities that cannot be separated one from the other. Allah has created us in this way. Thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that this emotional stress that my messenger is feeling, if he doesn't hone it in, if we don't offer him guidance with, uh, with regards to it, it's going to have 
an impact on his physical ability. Allah says, are you going to cause yourself to become extremely ill? Are you going to cause yourself to even die because of the stress that you feel due to their behavior? So we learn from these brothers and sisters in Islam that stress can be circumstantial, it can be physical, and stress is definitely from the nightmares of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation on earth. But even though Ali describes stress as a soldier from the soldiers of Allah, and uh, we understand stress to be a creation from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should understand that Allah doesn't reveal a sickness except that He creates as well its cure. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said in a hadith which is acceptable, إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ Right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as He creates the, the disease, He creates the cure as well. فَتَدَاوُ So take the means by using the medication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created as an antidote to the disease. So what are the cures of stress? And this is the main part of today's uh, discussion. I want to share with you at least 10 points. There's many points, but at least uh, 10 points that I feel formulate uh, the greater cure in terms of us dealing with circumstantial stress especially. As for physical stress, then this requires physical cure in terms of uh, visiting a mental coach. We know medicine is advanced now. We have mental coaches. They coach your mind into taking better control of itself and dealing with uh, the unknown in a better way. But in terms of circumstantial stress, which is the majority of cases of stress, I want to share with you 10 points that inshallah uh, can assist us in circumventing uh, stress consuming us when uh, we are in stressful circumstances and situations. The first uh, cure is related to what was said uh, earlier in the translation of the poetry that we heard uh, in Urdu, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not burden a human being with a burden that he or she cannot manage and cannot handle. And you have to have iman about this reality. And Allah says this in His book, لا يكلف الله نفساً إلا وسعها. Allah doesn't place a burden on you that you cannot manage. Right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just. And Allah has made oppression forbidden on Himself. إِنِّي حَرَّمْتُ الظُّلْمَ عَلَى نَفْسِي وَجَعَلْتُهُ مُحَرَّمًا بَيْنَكُمْ فَلَا تَظَالَمُ As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, teaches us in a hadith Qudsi, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that Allah said that indeed I have made oppression forbidden on myself and I have made it forbidden upon you between each other. So do not oppress one another. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created us and He knows our capacity and then He places upon us a weight far more difficult than our ability to manage, then this is a form of oppression. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never oppresses his slaves. So he does not burden us with a circumstance or situation that you cannot manage. And the reality is that if Allah brings you to it, he will take you through it. And you have to have this iman. You have to deal with the situation that you are in, preventing the stress from consuming you by taking this cure. By revisiting your iman and revisiting the knowledge that you have about Allah and understanding that, okay, this is the situation that I'm in. It is what it is. But if I'm in it, then Allah will take me through it. And I have the ability to manage the situation. For if I didn't, Allah will not bring the situation to me. Right? And this is a form of mental coaching as well. This is how you coach yourself. To bring yourself out of inferiority complexes. To bring yourself out of a feeling that you are defeated before the battle has even begun. If Allah brings you to it, He will bring you through it. And we see this from the beginning of Islam. How the Prophet ﷺ was oppressed and dealt with by his people before Hijrah. And after Hijrah, they were always the minority. They were always the weaker human beings, in term, uh, weaker in terms of uh, military might. And uh, so on and so forth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always brought them through it. This is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon his slave. So we should treat the circumstance revisiting our knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then another or second cure 
to assist us in dealing with stress is to understand that there is nothing like complete evil. From the belief of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, from the belief of the Quran and the Sunnah and the companions of the Prophet of the Quran and the Sunnah, is that there's nothing like complete evil. Allah doesn't create evil which is 100% evil. Yes, we believe good and bad fate is from Allah. But all fate is only relative in terms of the evil you understand from it. Right? If you look at the circumstance, you might see it as difficult and evil. And yes, it's from Allah. But somebody else might look at it and see it as a blessing. This is the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation and the tests that come to us. And I'll give you an example. Let's say in a country, not here, inshallah, in a country, people attended a program like this. And they parked their cars outside as we have done here. And big hailstones began to fall from the sky. Right? And everyone's windscreens got smashed. Is this a good thing or an evil thing? What is it? Would you, would you say this is a, you, a happy moment or a difficult, sad moment? Difficult. difficult moment. Okay. What about for the guy who sells windscreens? What is he going to be saying? Is he going to say this is difficult or is he going to be saying, Alhamdulillah, I've been trying to go for Hajj my whole life. I never had the business. Now I have business suddenly. Right? So it's relative. Every circumstance that Allah creates is evil in a relative way. It's not completely evil. You have to understand this. And as for the believer, the believer is in a win-win situation. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ said. That if difficulty comes to you, you are patient and that is good for you. You build Jannah that day through being patient. And if ease comes to you, you build Jannah that day through being thankful. And this is for no one but a believer. Every other day, you are going out into your car saying, Alhamdulillah. The windscreen salesman was saying, Subhanallah. Then one day Allah turned the situation. So he looked at it in, in a way, and you were looking at it in a way, and in a circumstance you saw it in another way, and you saw it in another way. The reality is Allah doesn't create 100% evil. It's relative in terms of perception based on who looks at it from their circumstance and situation. So the day some difficulty comes to you, understand that through this difficulty, Allah is giving me a chance to build Jannah and someone else a chance to build Jannah. It can't be all bad. But if you see it as only bad and consuming of you, it will affect you in a way that will cause you to lose your disposition, your natural disposition. Cause you to lose your natural disposition and then it will affect your worship of Allah, it will affect your relationship with other people, it will affect your productivity and so on and so forth. And now the stress is consuming you. It is a soldier that is beating you rather than you beating it. Allah has shared you the cure. This is the cure. That the day it hits you and you feel what you feel, you bring ease to yourself by remembering that I'm worshipping Allah in a particular way today. And because of my situation, somebody has a different way to worship Allah. We are only in a win-win situation, alhamdulillah, because we still believe in Allah and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa We haven't lost Jannah. Right? So this is the second cure. The third cure is to understand that there is an underlying wisdom to everything that happens in your life. And that wisdom is divine with Allah. And your mind might not have the capacity to, to encompass it. Right? Everything that happens to you is a pixel of a picture. That is the reality. You only have the pixel because of what you're going through. But if I extracted a pixel from a picture and gave that pixel to you and told you to tell me the picture that this pixel belongs to, you wouldn't be able to do so, even in a million tries, except through a fluke, right? You wouldn't be able to, in a calculative way, tell me this pixel represents this picture because of A, B, C, D, E, because it's never the reality. The pixel is with you, the picture is with Allah. And the pious before us used to say, that if Allah opened the qadr, and allowed you to see the whole picture, you would choose for yourself what Allah has chosen for you now. The same situation that you're in. Once you see the picture, you would choose it for yourself. And I'll give you a simple example from Surah Yusuf. 
In Surah Yusuf, he was, Yusuf was abducted as a young boy from the home of his father by his own brothers and thrown into the bottom of a well shirtless, left for dead. Right? If you were there at that time and you saw what happened, you would call this an evil situation. Right or wrong? You would say this is an evil situation. Okay. But if Yusuf wasn't in the well, he wouldn't have been found by the Egyptian caravan. If that didn't happen, he wouldn't have been stolen and sold as a slave in Egypt. If he wasn't sold in the, in the slave market of Egypt, he wouldn't have been found by what some of the scholars of Tafsir say, the Minister of Finance. The Minister of Finance takes him in, he learns the tricks of the trade. He adds to the tricks of the trade what his father taught him when he was young in terms of honesty, in terms of proactiveness and productivity and amana and trust and so on and so forth. Right? So he gathers these skills. If he also wasn't in the minister's house, the minister's wife would not have seen him. And she wouldn't have been uh, enticed towards him uh, or attracted to him. And she wouldn't have locked him up in the room and tried to entice him towards her. If that didn't happen, he wouldn't have been thrown into prison. If that didn't happen, he wouldn't have seen the two inmates who had the dream. When, he, when they had the dream, he interpreted the dream. Then one of those two inmates went to work for the king. Then the king had a serious dream. About seven thin cows consuming seven fat cows and seven thin pieces of crop consuming seven fat pieces of crop. And he wanted to know the meaning of this dream. And no one from his government could help him. But this guy who was in prison, he was a wine squeezer. In the, in the room of the king, he hears the conversation. Many years later, after he left the prison, he says, you know what? I used to know someone who can help. And then he gets Yusuf. Yusuf doesn't only interpret the dream, he gives the king the solution. He tells the king, you're going to have seven years of good rainfall, seven years of drought. During the seven years of rainfall, this is how you need to store the crop. You need to overplant and you need to store. And this is the method of storing. So you use it during the difficult times. So now the king tells this Palestinian, why don't you be part of my government? And then Yusuf says, put me in charge of the storehouses. Now, historians say it was impossible for a Palestinian to take a government role in another country. But when Yusuf took over this role, he was so efficient that not only did he have enough storage for the people of Egypt, but enough storage for the people of Palestine. That is how efficient he was in the seven years of rainfall. And the proof of this is his own father and brothers came over. Right? Now, if Yusuf salam was not in this chair, if he was not the minister of finance 50 years later, millions of people would have died. But had he not been in the well 50 years before, he couldn't have been the minister of finance 50 years later. If, I, if you were there 50 years later, after you called him in the well evil, and I asked you again, brother, 50 years ago, when Yusuf was in the well, you said this is an evil situation. What do you have to say about this now? You'd say, Alhamdulillah, he was thrown in the well. I would have supported it then, because I know now what I didn't know then. Right? This is hindsight. Right? So the, you need to assist. One of the ways of dealing with stress is understanding that whatever you're going through, you have a pixel of a big picture. You don't know what this means in light of the bigger thing. All you have to do is follow the Quran and Sunnah in dealing with your circumstance. And as the days go by, Allah will open for you and open for you and open for you. And slowly but surely you'd see right? the fruits of your labor and the wisdoms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala behind the circumstances and situations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you in. So this is uh, the third remedy. The fourth remedy is to seek help from Allah, especially using the morning and evening adhkar. And throughout my travels, I find people uh, having no knowledge about these adhkar, number one, or number two, they're lazy with regards to them. Right? And, and one of the action points that you all should do when you leave here this evening is to download an app called Hisnul Muslim, the fortress of a believer. Download the app. Now we all have mobile phones, it's easy. You'll get the Arabic, the transliteration, the English of the Arabic, as well as the rewards of doing what you do. And every day, take 10 to 15 minutes after the Fajr prayer and after the Asr prayer, if possible, because this, this is the ideal time. If you can't, then you have from, according to the strongest view, from after Fajr until midday, and from after Asr until midnight. 
And midnight is not 12 uh, a.m. Midnight is halfway between Maghrib and Fajr. And read these adhkar. In these adhkar, we find a means of protection against stress. For the Prophet ﷺ taught us to read, for example, three times every morning and evening. Bismillah alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fis sama' wa huwa samiul alim. Right? That uh, in the name of Allah, that uh, no harm can come from the skies and from earth uh, to me. You seek uh, protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against any harm that Allah has created on earth and in the skies. If you do this three times in the morning and three times in the evening, you'll be protected. Also the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامات من شر ما خلق Three times, every morning and every evening, I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with His complete names, His complete words from all evil and everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us to read, أصبحنا وأصبح الملك لله رب العالمين أصبحنا, we've entered the morning. And the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has entered the morning. Right? Uh, then uh, we say, Allahumma, inni as'aluka khayra hadha liyawm. Oh Allah, I ask you the goodness of this day. Fathahu, its openings. Wa nasrahu, its help. Wa nurahu, its light. Wa barakatahu, and its blessings. Wa hudahu, and its guidance. Wa a'udhu bika min sharri ma fihi. And I seek refuge in you, ya Allah, from the evil of this day. And the evil that comes after it. This is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say in the morning. In the evening he would say the same dua, but say, أَمْسَيْنَا وَأَمْسَ الْمُلْكُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ And in the Hisn muslim app you see all this clearly listed. Okay? Also the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to say, Allahumma, or he used to teach the Sahaba to say, and he used to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-hammi wal-hazan. That, oh Allah, I seek refuge in you and protection from you, from ham, from grief and stress, wal-hazan and sadness. وَالْعَجْزِ وَالْكَسَرِ And from being uh, incapable and from being lazy وَالْجُبْنِ وَالْبُخُلِ And from being a coward and from being stingy. Right? So this is what he used to say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَضَلَعِ الدَّيْنِ وَغَلَبَةِ الرِّجَالِ And I seek refuge in you from being heavily in debt and from being overpowered by other men. Maybe some people are stressed by business deals and the connections that other people have. Right? Nowadays it's about connections, right? So can he spoil my deal? You become stressed about it. This is a dua to read. Uh, in another report, the Prophet ﷺ once found a man from the Ansar. It is said his name was Abu Umam, sitting in the masjid when it wasn't salah time. So the Prophet ﷺ said, why do I find you in the masjid when it's not salah time? Right? You should be out, you should be working, there's other responsibilities you've got to take care of. What are you doing here? So he said, لزمتني, I'm here because of stress that has engulfed me, grief that has engulfed me. So after discussing with him, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, let me teach you something. That if you say it, your stress will go away. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will assist you with the debt that's causing the stress. He says, قُلْ إِذَا أَصْبَحْتَ وَإِذْ أَمْسَيْتَ If you wake up in, if you wake up in the morning, and when you enter the evening, say, اللهم إني أعوذ بك من الهم والحزن وأعوذ بك من العجز والكسل وأعوذ بك من الجبن والبخل وأعوذ بك من غلبة الدين وقهر الرجال. This Abu Umama says afterwards, ففعلت ذلك. I did it. فأذهب الله همي. Allah caused my stress to leave me. وقضى عني ديني. And He caused me to fulfill my debt obligations. Right. So this dua that I read is similar to. Uh, it's the same dua, just different in wedding to the dua that I, I shared with you earlier. So you have the translation. Uh, also another dua, we find this in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say that مَا قَالَ عَبْدٌ قَطْ إِذَا أَصَابَهُ هَمْ وَحُزْنٌ That no servant of Allah says this if he is afflicted by stress and sadness. اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي عَبْدُكَ Oh Allah, I am your, your servant. وَابْنُ عَبْدِكَ And the son of your servant. وَابْنُ أَمَتِكَ And the son of your female servant. نَوَاصِبِيَتِكَ My forehead is in your hand. مَاضٍ فِيَّ حُكْمُكَ What you've decreed for me will be. عَدْلٌ فِيَّ قَضَاءُكَ Whatever you de- decree for me is just. 
أسألك الله بكل اسم هو لك I ask you, Ya Allah, with all of your names سميت به نفسك Those names that you gave to yourself أو أنزلته في كتابك Those names that you revealed in your book أو علمته أحدا من خلقك Or those names that you taught your messengers أو استأثرت به في علم الغيب عندك And those names that are a secret no one knows Oh, but you And yes, Allah has names that nobody knows but him Because in the long hadith about Shafa'a on the day of Qiyamah and intercession on the day of Qiyamah, the Prophet says that I will fall down into prostration and Allah will teach me names of His that I do not know right now. Right? So Allah has names of His that He has kept hidden. I ask you with those names that no one knows from your creation, Ya Allah. Make the Quran the spring of my heart. sadri And the light of, of my chest. وَجَلَاءَ حُزْنِي And something that causes my sadness to go away and my stress to go away. Right? So this is another dua that the Prophet taught us. And dua is the weapon of a believer as the Prophet said. It's the first line of defense. How many of us turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Right? We really are weak uh, brothers and elders in Islam in terms of dua. And as the pious before used to say, that if a slave knew the power of dua that never dropped their hands. And we know how the Prophet ﷺ would ask from Allah. In fact, it is said that he would uh, have three practices when he used to make dua. He would either make dua raising his finger sometimes, if that was easy for him. So he would raise his finger and the Sahaba would know he's making dua. And sometimes he would raise his hands uh, like this, how we normally raise it, when he could. And this was his norm. But if the situation was, 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 was more difficult, he would raise his hands uh, in a way that his armpits would, would, would be exposed. This is how intensely he would get into the dua because this is your first line of defense. And we know this from the battle of Badr and the battle of Uhud. How he would, he, Abu Bakr would enter his space and find his, his upper garment having fallen off because of how high his rands were hay, raised and he was uh, talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intensely. He knew that this situation only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can control and this stress only Allah truly has control over. If I'm not taking the first line of defense, nothing else is going to help. A follow-on uh, cure, which is cure number five, from the cure of dua is istighfar, to seek forgiveness from Allah. For the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever continuously seeks forgiveness from Allah, Allah makes a way out from every grief and stress. And He will provide him and sustain him in places he does not suspect. Meaning Allah will give you sustenance from areas that you've never imagined. Without you realizing, the help of Allah comes. You would never have listed this way as an avenue for you. But Allah makes it an avenue for you. This is the power of astaghfirullah. And not just saying astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, and your mind is on your phone, and your mind is somewhere else, or on the TV. No, engaging Allah. When you have an attentive heart present with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thinking of your sins, and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you for those sins. Because it is our sins that blocks the mercy of Allah reaching us. Not that it has more power than Allah, but this is Allah's system. Allah has told us that your sins, I will not allow my mercy to pass it. And istighfar is your remedy to cracking the stratosphere of your sins that block the mercy from reaching you. So use istighfar to break away the, 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 the barrier of the sins and Allah's mercy will come to you. So this is the power of istighfar. Uh, just a point that comes to mind when we're talking about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at Uhud uh, and even Badr. Allah tells us in the third uh, in the third surah of the Quran, in, in, in Surah Al Imran, when Allah subhanahu wa taala describes the battle of Badr. Then in Surah Al Anfal, Allah subhanahu wa taala describes the battle of uh, sorry in in in, in Al Imran, Allah describes the battle of Uhud and in Anfal, Allah describes the battle of Badr. And in both surahs, Allah teaches the ummah of a sleep that Allah caused to encompass the believers the night before the battle or at a pivotal point for the battle. Allah caused them to sleep because when you stress, you can't sleep. And this is a high stress situation and high stress moment. The enemy has outnumbered you. They are determined. They have greater weapons. Right? right? They've planned their strategy. They've chosen their positions. The Muslims are stressed. 
So Allah says that we showered our mercy on the believers because of their dua and their istighfar. What did we do? We caused this nu'as, this slumber to overtake them. And the Sahaba says, Abu Talha and others would say, we looked, we would be dozing off, our swords would fall from our hands. And I would wake up to pick it up and see other companions also falling into uh, into a slumber. This is the mercy that Allah says we showered upon the ummah because of their dua, because of their uh, istighfar. Cure number six, get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we heard this in the couplets earlier. And Allah says, وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ يَضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ Allah reveals to His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that indeed we know what they say to you, O Prophet of ours, is stressful to you. We know they're stressing you. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ but glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And be from amongst the people of sujood. Let salah be the defining factor of your life. And worship Allah until the certainty arrives. What does the certainty mean? Death. Don't stop. Don't allow them to change who you are. You take the remedy and that is you getting closer to Allah and making your heart more righteous and giving yourself a chance to have a heart that is closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know, you've heard this in previous talks, I'm sure, because it's the famous reality of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that whenever stress came to him, whenever anything worried him, immediately he would stand up and establish the prayer immediately. And he would say to Bilal, Arihna bis salah. Bring ease to us with the salah, meaning call the adhan. That's our ease. When you call it, now the ease comes. And he would say, Wajuilat qurratu'ain fis salah. That the coolness of my eyes has been placed in the salah. Subhanallah. This is the power of salah. And we know our situation with the salah. As one of our teachers told us when uh, we were taught uh, the times when you can't pray salah. Right? The times when you can't pray salah. Uh, there's different views of the scholars. One of the views states that the salah you can't pray during the forbidden times is al-nawafil uh, al-mutlaqah. Meaning, just two rakats with no purpose. It's not istikhara, it's not janaza, it's not a sunnah of, of, of asr or a sunnah of dhuhr. It's just a natural two rakats. Right? So a reflection that he had was, subhanallah, why would this lesson come to us? It's come to us because the Sahaba were always praying Salah. Today no one thinks of just offering two rakats Salah. You have a free moment, get up and pray. You don't need a reason to pray, two, 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 two units of prayer during the night and during the day. But the companions following the leadership of the Prophet whenever they had a moment they used to pray. So the guidance came, pray, but in these moments don't pray. Right? So this is an amazing reflection. And... Uh, Getting closer to Allah is a means of happiness, which is the opposite of stress. For Allah says in the Quran, "Man amila salihan min dakarin aw unta wa huwa mu'min, falanuhiyannahu hayatan tayyiba." That whoever does good deeds from the male and female believers, and, uh, 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 and uh, meaning they are believers, then Allah will give them a resilient, happy life. That's what Allah says. And in the hereafter, Allah will reward you. Allah says, in the year after, we will reward you the rewards of your best worship. Meaning the best salah you prayed, that was the greatest rewards, we'll take those rewards and apply to all your other salah. The best charity you did, we'll take the rewards of that charity and give it to all the other charities that you did. The best goodness you did to your parents, with the, mo with the most rewards, Allah says, we'll take that and apply it to all the times you did goodness to your, to your parents. This is the reward for the person who gets closer to Allah. Where's the stress in this message, brothers and elders in Islam? It only brings to us salah, subhanallah, right? That then we get closer to Allah, no stress, and even the rewards, the rewards help me against stress, right? But the opposite is true. Allah says, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ أَنْ ذِكْرِ The one who turns away from my message and my remembrance and this Qur'an, فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنْكَ Then for him will be a depressed, stressful, narrow life. وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى And we will raise him on the day of Qiyamah blind. So what Allah says in, in retrospect, may Allah protect us and forgive us. Number seven, ponder over the Qur'an. 
Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, his, his student Ibn Al-Qayyim says, I saw my teacher, whenever he became stressed, he would have ayat of the Qur'an, which he deemed happy ayat. Ayat of rewards and ayat of Jannah, and he would repeatedly recite this ayat, pondering over its meanings, and this would allow him to deal with the stressful situation he was dealing with. Right? And this, we, this is the relationship we should have with the Qur'an, that as we read, we should extract the ayat, make note of it. And these ayat, I'm going to go back to it when I'm in these circumstances. I find it, it's helping me. And brothers and elders, who doesn't need to remind us? We, even when we know, we forget. And that's why Allah says, وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ ذِكْرَ تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ That remind, for indeed in the reminders is benefit for the believers. So you go back to the ayat and you read the ayat and the ayat will be a reminder to that which you knew and a lesson for that which you forgot. Also from uh, the... Or, or just now, now we've spoken about salah, we've spoken about dhikr, right? We've spoken about uh, dua, uh, we've spoken about the Qur'an. Al-Hasan al-Basri, I came across the statement that's very suitable for this particular topic. He says, تفقد Search for happiness and sweetness of your life in three things. في الصلاة, in your salah. وَفِي الذِّكْرِ and in the remembrance of Allah وَفِي تِلَاوَةِ الْقُرْآنِ and in the recitation of the Qur'an He says فَإِنْ وَجَدْتُمْ if you find it then that's where it, it, it only is and if you don't find it then you should know that Allah has closed the door of happiness in your life and has opened the door of stress in your life if you don't find it in the Qur'an and in Salah and in Dhikr you're not going to find it anywhere else Imam Shafi used to say طَلَبْنَا تَرْكَ الدُّنُوبِ we used to uh, we used to make an effort in leaving sins. We used to make we used to seek the manner of leaving sins. We found it in the duha salah. Then he says, We search for the means of placing a lamp and light in our grave. We found it in reading the Quran every day, having that portion that we read every day of the Quran. He says, وَطَلَبْنَا عُبُورُ الصِّرَاتِ عُبُورَ الصِّرَاتِ We search for the means of crossing the sirat, the bridge, on the day of Qiyamah. فَوَجَدْنَاهُ فِي الصَّوْمِ وَالصَّدَقَةِ We found it in fasting and giving sadaqah. He says, then we searched for the means of finding the shade of Ar-Rahman on the day of Qiyamah. فَوَجَدْنَاهُ فِي أُخُوَّةِ الصَّالِحِينَ We found it in having a righteous friend sakah. Right? So these are, what I'm sharing with you in terms of solutions are not from me. It is from the best of people that walk the face of this earth. Cure number eight, take the means. I'm going to speed up a little bit so we end inshallah. Take the means. Take the means. The physical means. Some of us have an incorrect understanding of tawakkul. We feel tawakkul is put your trust in Allah. Tawakkul is put your trust in Allah after tying your camel. After taking the means. Tawakkul is a due process. Number one, to take the physical means. And then number two, to seek Allah's mercy upon the means that you've taken. Lock your house and ask Allah to bless it. That is tawakkul. Right? Put the ingredients in the pot and on the fire. And then put your trust in Allah in it being a success. That is tawakkul. Right? The Prophet ﷺ told the companion to tie his, his camel. He says, Allah will look after it. He says, tie your camel and put your trust in Allah. You have to take the means. You can't cure malaria whilst you are in malaria-infested waters. You need to do what you need to do to get out of your stressful situation. If your environment is naturally stressful, seek an alternative and, and more conducive one. Don't remain in the stressful environment with the person that's bringing you stress. And then complain that you stressed. You haven't taken the means. You are making dua. Allah is not helping me. Right? If you need to change your home, change your home. You need to change your job. Change your job. When you can. Some people can't because it, uh, greater stress will come. Because no income. So take the means. Start searching for an alternative job. When you find it, resign. Right? But don't just sit and expect things to change. Without you taking an effort. Because as someone said, insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. That is madness. Where you do the same thing, but you expect the result to be different. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So you have to take the means. This is from the Sharia. This is from our Iman. 
if you if things are getting expensive, change your lifestyle. If you can't get inc- uh, increased salary, start cutting down on, on, on things that you're spending. Don't ex- carry on the same lifestyle and expect yourself to have enough at the end of the month. It's not going to work, right? If you have negative friends, adjust your time with them. Find more positive friend circles, right? If you have too much on your plate, delegate. Grow a team and delegate the tasks, right? Don't keep on... If you do everything yourself, the stress is going to remain. And if you're naturally anxious, then as we said, get treatment, get a, a mental coach, and so on and so forth. So that's cure number eight. Cure number nine, do not open the doors to shaitan. And we do this by saying, if only. If only. Yes, hindsight is a good thing, but it's not always good. And as the scholars of Hadith say, like Ibn Hajar and others, they say it's only good if it's related to a future thing, not a past thing. Because the Prophet ﷺ told us, do not open the doors to shaitan. He says, المؤمن القوي خير وأحب إلى الله من المؤمن الضعيف وفي كل خير. The strong believer is more beloved to Allah than the weak one, and in both of them there's goodness. So he says, أحرص على ما ينفعك. Do your best to do that which benefits you. واستعين بالله ولا تعجز. And seek assistance from Allah and don't feel incapable. Right? Do not feel defeated. Do not feel inferior. وإن أصابك شيء فلا تقل. If something afflicts you. Don't say, لو أني فعلت كذا وكذا. Don't say, if only I did this and I did that. But say, قدر الله وما شاء فعل. But say, Allah has decreed and what He decreed has happened. This is with things that have happened. Right? But now when you learn the lesson of the past, in the future you can say, in hindsight, next time if this happens, this is what I'll do. That's learning from the lesson. Like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, وَاسْتَقْبَلْتْ مِنْ أَمْرِ مَا اسْتَدْبَرْتْ If I... Uh, if I, in, in effect, he's saying, if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, I would do this. He's not, he's not saying it to something of the past. He's saying it to something in the future. Like next year, I will fast the ninth and the tenth. Or uh, next time, if I get a chance to do Hajj again, I will uh, separate my Umrah from the Hajj. He's saying next time. He's not regretting what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala decreed for him from that which he did, but he's learning the lesson. From whatever has happened. So do not open the door to shaitan. Many of us, something happens, if only I did this, but if only I didn't say this, khalas, it's done, now you have to learn the lesson. You saying, if only, if only, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to reverse the situation. All you're doing is bringing stress to yourself, bringing stress to your emotions. It's going to have an effect on your physical being, on your thoughts. You're opening the door to shaitan. Shaitan now will use that to bring whispers to you, cause you to become a person who doubts. Right? So, uh, cure number nine, do not open the door to Shaytan. Cure number 10. Be proactive, not reactive. Sometimes we are stressed because of what people say. And what people do. No one is free from the tongues of human beings. Even Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, uh, he was spoken about in an untrue way. Allah says, لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ ثَالِثُ ثَلَاثَ لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ فَقِيرُ Allah says, the people have disbelieved who said Allah is one of a trinity. And He says, those people have disbelieved who said Allah is poor and they are rich. This is what they said about Allah. He wasn't free from the tongue of human beings. The important thing is to train yourself not to allow people to walk in your head with their dirty feet. Right? This was said by Gandhi, but it's a good statement. Do not allow people to walk in your head with their dirty feet. If you want to take someone's feedback, tell them take their shoes out at the door first. Don't speak to me. Don't give me negative criticism. Constructive, okay. Negative, uh, retrogressive criticism, we don't have room for it. If they are those people who bring it to you, when you don't even ask, ignore it. You should learn to train yourself when to allow something into your mind and when not to allow something into your mind. Right? And this will assist you against stress. So these are 10 points uh, uh, brothers and elders in Islam uh, to assist us against stress from an Islamic perspective. One other thing that came to mind, and we'll add this as a PS, not as a point number 11, is time management. Because sometimes we are stressful because we're bad with time management. Right? You should never live your life in a way where you allow important things to become urgent. Because when important things become urgent, you only perform them in a stressful way. And anything done with high stress has poor quality and anything with poor quality has no output. If you pray Salat al-Asr at the beginning of its time, it's important but not urgent. So you read it properly. But if you pray it at the end of time, 
It's something important which has become urgent. And we know how we then perform the salah at the end of time. It's rush, rush. Everything is reading, no concentration. We choose the shortest surahs, the quickest adhkar. Uh, we read it in a very urgent, stressful way. And the rewards are the least. Right? Anything you do with high urgency, the output will be poor. The product is poor. When you study on time, it's important. And you study properly, the you have time to revise what you've learned. The knowledge stays with you for a longer period of time. When you crash study, for the young people in the audience who are at school, when you crash study, it's done with high stress. The exam is tomorrow. You're staying up at night. You're not sleeping. You're highly stressed. You're going to the exam. You're putting stress on your body. After the exam, you forget the information you learned a few days later. It doesn't stay. And even if you fluke the exam, right? Uh, life is not about just the result. It's about the knowledge that you have after. All that knowledge goes, it's as good as you failed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, forgive our past and inspire our futures and shower upon us mercy and remove us from all our difficulties and all our stresses and cause us to be human beings who have the strength to follow the guidance of the Quran and Sunnah in all our circumstances and situations. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Once again, we send a heartfelt gratitude to those responsible for this evening and everything correct said is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself and he's perfect and any mistakes are from myself and shaytan and I seek Allah's forgiveness. Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa natubu ilaykum assalamu alaykum wa rahmatuhu wa barakatuh.